There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light. In just a few words, we get a lot of important information about who John the Baptist was. And now this is just the sixth verse in the beginning of the, chap uh, of the first chapter of the Gospel of John. And as you recall, that, that book begins with poetry, theological poetry. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And here in the sixth verse, we get an interruption of poetry to get prose, beginning to tell a narrative of what was the precursor to Jesus' arrival, which was John the Baptist. And in these few well-chosen words, we learn things like, for example, that John was sent, sent by God. Those are his credentials. To have been sent by God made him like a prophet. And later in the same gospel, we will hear the same thing said about Jesus in multiple places where Jesus was sent by God. We also hear that John is not the light himself, and that's important. Instead of being the light himself, he is a witness to the light, and the Greek word is martyr, the source of what became the word martyr that we still use today. And of course, John the Baptist, in a way, also becomes an early martyr for the witnessing to the light that he and to think of him as a witness uh, who testified to the light, I think about the imagery of the moon. You think about the moon and the way that we speak colloquially. Colloquially, people will say that the moon is shining. But in reality, the moon doesn't shine. The light of the moon is not the moon's own light. The light of the moon that we see is really the light of a greater light, which is the sun. But the moon is able to refract that light in a way that otherwise we would never see it because of the position of the planet. So John is like that. It's not his light. It's the light of something greater that he is sharing, showing us something that we ourselves also can do. Which is actually something also that Mary does. We hear Mary's words from Magnificat to at this service, uh, they were chanted. And the more familiar uh, King James Version is, my soul doth magnify the Lord. Um, the more modern English is, my soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. And while it might be more correct in some ways, we lose the poetry. We lose a lot of the power. Um, it's interesting, though, to pause on that phrase, for a soul to magnify something something that we don't speak of, and yet I think we all know what that means. I think our souls magnify many things, all of us. But for Mary, her soul magnified the Lord. The Lord was seen through the witness of her life. She receives this good news, and then she beams with that light. We don't have to be saints ourselves for our own souls and our own lives to magnify the Lord the way that Mary does, to refract, refract the light of God like the moon shares the light of the sun. And thankfully, we don't have to generate this light to be transmitters of it. And that's important because 
you look around right now, it's a dark time. I think many of us are feeling that. I think it may feel to many of us that we live in a time of deep darkness, a time when it's hard to bear light. And being in times of darkness actually is nothing new. This is something that has been experienced many, many times by many generations, and in fact, it's very biblical. Isaiah 9-2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And walking in darkness can actually give us a gift of being able to behold the true light better. Today, uh, as we come close to the end of Advent, <clears throat> in the natural world, we are in actually almost the darkest time of the year. We've got a few more days until we hit the actual shortest day of the year. And isn't it interesting that in the church today, in the middle of Advent, is the Sunday where we recognize joy. When we lit that third candle, you notice that the third candle is always pink. Um, the Most of the season of Advent is either purple or blue, depending on your church. There are some churches, in fact, that the vestments on the third Sunday, the Joy Sunday, are pink, and I'm so glad that is not the case here. <laughs> but I do think that the world, even on Joy Sunday, is a bit joy challenged. I've noticed that Christmas celebrations, now that we're past COVID, it's uh, everybody is excited to get back into some of our old practices and habits. And so the lights are as bright as ever and the Christmas celebrations are full on, full blast. And yet I've been sensing there's also a heaviness that's going alongside all the happiness. I can feel it and I wonder if some of you can as well. A friend of mine who studies trends and systems professionally described to me a term, and actually this was at an Advent party, a Christmas party. <laughs> uh, he described to me a term that I'd never heard before called adjacent trauma. Adjacent trauma is what it sounds like. It, there may be a trauma that has been experienced by somebody that isn't you, but if you're adjacent to it, you feel it as well, and it impacts you. And the way that we are living now with so much, so many headlines, unrelenting and imagery and all that we are exposed to, he said we all are experiencing some level of adjacent trauma. And he pointed out too, we've all just lived through a pandemic time and very uh, historic <laughs> period of time. And now happily we're feeling like it's post pandemic and we're getting back to life, but we never processed what we went through. We never really took stock of all that that means and what some of the things were that we lost because of that time. We may feel as if we are walking in a bit of a dark time together, but the way forward in spiritual terms, it's not to deny the darkness, but actually to embrace it and its gifts. Knowing that the darkness helps us to appreciate the need that we have at all times for light, for the true light, for the light that lightens the world. And this light will bring us not merely to happiness, but importantly, to joy. Because joy is something that actually transcends both happiness and unhappiness. Happiness, as we know, is something that is fleeting, but joy is grounded 
and something deeper than a mere moment. Happiness often can be something that is self-centered, but joy is cosmic. Happiness is about brightness, but joy is light. William Sloan Coffin put it well, saying, while happiness is human, joy is divine. And happiness can take the form of escaping from reality, while joy is found when we enter into reality, especially when it is the ultimate reality, the ground of our being, which is God. And so, while preaching, I believe it is too easy to sometimes talk about these things and to say how important it is to seek joy and to refract joy and light and things like that. So I want to leave you with an actual story, something that actually happened on a cold, dark night some years ago. So this happened at my previous church, which was out in California in the Monterey Peninsula, where I was for almost 10 years. And at our church, called St. Dunstan's, we had a program that we would participate in that was called iHelp. It was an inter interfaith homeless assistance um, organization that, that we participated in their work. And with iHelp, the, the deal was um, there were congregations, um, Jewish as well as Christian and Latter-day Saint, we would use our space and provide a safe, warm, dignified place for people to spend the night. They would stay overnight in the parish hall of usually about 20 men um, who were unhoused. And the beginning of each night would start with a meal. And our people would volunteer once a month, and they would prepare a meal and sit down and eat the meal with the guys who would come and stay with iHelp. And there was a woman, and you may know people like this person, or you may be like this person. Her name was Rachel. And Rachel loved to prepare food for others. She loved to prepare the big, delicious meals. It actually became a little bit of a problem because the word got out, you know, the St. Dunstan's meals and the other congregations started complaining. They're like, everyone's talking about the St. Dunstan's dinners. Um, but Rachel loved to do this. Rachel actually had a dream one night, uh, and it was the night before an I Help night. And she woke up from her dream, and in the dream, she was making a birthday cake for somebody. So she woke up from that and said, well, you know, I'm going to make a birthday cake tonight and bring it to iHelp and just see what happens. And so she did. She, she made the cake. The guys gathered. They had the meal. And when the meal was coming to an end, it was time to bring out the dessert. Rachel goes and talks to everybody and says, we have a birthday cake tonight, but we don't know if it's anybody's birthday. Is it anyone's birthday tonight? And there was a guy who came forward kind of sheepishly. And he said, well, actually... It's my birthday today. And she said, well, then this is for you. And they lit the candles, and everybody's saying happy birthday to him. And then somebody said, well, you've got to make a wish now. It's your time to blow out the candles. And he paused, and he didn't move. And somebody asked if he was okay, and he said, my wish just came true. Somebody remembered me. Rachel herself was not the light but she was a witness to the light, something that we all can be, even in dark times, especially in dark times.